0: Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. Before we start our episode today, to all of our listeners out there, we'd really appreciate it if you could take time to rate and also follow our podcast if you haven't already. We're not monetized. We're not hoping to be monetized. Really, the goal is just to further the conversations we're having, allow more listeners to find us. So thank you very much if you've done that. In the past few months, we've had plenty of episodes discussing the complexities of trauma. That's why JC and I are so excited to have our special guest here with us today to dive even deeper on the topic and also share some professional insight on how to manage triggers and trauma responses. So let's go ahead and introduce our amazing guest, a wonderful coworker of ours, licensed marriage and family therapist, Marta McLean. Marta, thank you so much for being here.
1: Hello, thank you Lisa and JC for invitation to the podcast. And also I wanted to say congratulations on receiving the purple ribbon award. Thank you. in An outstanding DV podcast category really well done. You guys are just doing amazing work spreading awareness and providing information and support and I'm just so happy to be here today. as Lisa mentioned, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I have been with Live Valence Free for over 10 years. And I specialize in treatment of trauma, as well as depressive, anxiety, and stress disorders. Um, I am a certified provider of trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a mouthful. And <laughs> it's a trauma treatment for children and youth. Um, I am also trained in prolonged exposure for uh post-traumatic stress disorder, I will refer to it as PTSD for short for the rest of this podcast. So once again, thank you for having me. And I'm really excited for this conversation.
0: So are we, Marta. Thank you
1: yeah thank you
2: for being here marta i'm super excited about this episode especially to have marta here uh she's worked for live violence free as she mentioned for many years and we've always heard really lovely things about her from Mm -hmm. a lot of the people that we serve and so it's just such a treat to have her here and have her provide some insight to this topic today so marta in case you are not aware we like to ask all our guests some fun questions before diving in to kind of give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better. So since you have so much amazing insight to share today, we will keep it to just one question, just for time's sakes. We asked this question to all of our guests on our show. So we're really curious to see what your answer will be. Mm-hmm. So if you can have lunch with anyone from past or present time, who would you have lunch with and why?
1: So this is actually the hardest question for me to answer uh, <laughs> from all the questions you sent to me. Um, and I'm going to cheat, cheat a little bit. Uh, so the first person I'd like to have lunch with is my dad. is uh, it's because hmm. he lives in Europe and I have not seen him in person for over a year and would love to just sit down and have a slow meal instead of like rushed 7 a.m. Skype phone calls. So that would be a huge treat. And then um, outside of my own family, uh, another person or people i like to have lunch with are the hosts of my favorite podcast outside of this one, of course. <laughs> uh, the podcast is called We Can Do Hard Things. And I don't know if you guys mm. heard, it's mm-hmm. hosted by author Glennon Doyle, her wife, Abby, who is a former soccer player, and Glennon's sister, Amanda. And if you have not heard this podcast, check it out. They just have such amazing, deep uh, and also hilarious conversations on topics related to mental health, parenting, partnerships, gender roles, race, you name it. And they're just very knowledgeable, insightful and entertaining. And I, thought, I think that it would be just a, a fun lunch to have. Absolutely. It sounds like it. Yeah. And I like how you started
0: off with saying, I'm going to cheat a little bit and give you a few answers. <laughs> Marta, there's no rules here
1: disclosure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're winging it. You're not breaking any rules. And those are amazing answers. So um, we really appreciate that, especially, you know, plugging in other awesome podcasts, talking about topics that, yeah, we love to hear that are being spoken on, especially on that that level, right? So hopefully some of our listeners out there that have not heard of that podcast before can check it out, have another incredible podcast to listen to. So I I'm so excited to get your insight today. So let's dive in. Uh, Since we're talking about triggers today, we thought a really good way to begin is simply defining what a trigger is. And so a trigger is a reminder of past trauma. Triggers may bring back memories and thoughts associated with trauma. They can cause reactions such as fear, panic, agitation, helplessness, lack of safety, and being overwhelmed with emotions. The individual experiencing a trigger may feel like they're reliving the traumatic event And an observer may feel like this reaction to the trigger is out of proportion or not appropriate given the stimuli that caused it. So Marta, our first question for you is how are triggers formed?
1: Uh, Yes, so uh, researchers actually have some theories on that. I don't know if they're actually committed to one of them uh, for certain. Uh, but one of the theories says that basically um, our senses play a very important role in forming memories. So when we experience trauma, our brain stores you know, any surrounding sensory stimuli, such as smell and sound and touch, into our memory. And then when we encounter these sensory triggers and they might not be the same, but somewhat similar to the uh, triggers that were present during trauma, the brain may just reactivate the feelings associated with the trauma. So that's one of the theories. Uh, Another one talks about how memories are stored in our brain. Uh, Essentially, our brain is like a big filing cabinet with just different memories stored in their own file folders. And this way we organize our experiences and make sense of them. So for example, you know, there's a file there on how to drive a car, so when you get into your car, you're not just like clueless, not sure what to do, mm-hmm. but you have it pretty much already you know, memorized and rehearsed. In normal non-traumatic situations, our brain just processes the experience and files them in appropriate file. Um, however, trauma is not like any other experiences. Traumas are extremely unpredictable. And additionally, during trauma, our memory does not work as its optimal level because our brain and our body are focused on just surviving the traumatic event. So I'm sure you guys heard before about fly, uh, fight, fly, or freeze reaction. Yeah. So, so we're focused on just either getting out of there or fighting or just freezing to survive and not on processing and memorizing information. Mm. Um, therefore, memories of trauma might be just sort of scattered across many different files across many different drawers and just like a big mess and they kind of show up and they pop up where we least expect it and they trigger different memories and intrusive disturbing thoughts about trauma. I think that filing cabinet is a great visual for that too.
2: Yeah thank you Marta I just I love, love, love that we're talking about triggers because I actually did not discover what that meant or what that was until I was literally in a psychology class and it felt like an epiphany. Like Mm -hmm. I ended up having a better understanding of myself and why I would react a certain way sometimes. And not only that, but to have better understanding of others and their behavior at times, right? Or their response. And so I think when it comes to that specific word, it's so important for anyone to know what a trigger is you know what it could look like because most likely we know someone that is constantly being consistently or constantly being triggered right especially sometimes by trauma or some form of abuse so thank you so much marta for shedding light on that of course we know that there are several different ways to cope with triggers which we will obviously talk about Marta, can you take some time to discuss the therapeutic methods out there that can help address trauma and triggers?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, obviously I am biased <laughs> and I think that everyone can benefit from therapy. However, not every trauma survivor needs a trauma-focused treatment uh, because studies show that natural recovery works very well with many people who experience traumatic event. And PTSD symptoms are very common for most people right after the trauma. Even, you know, after the first month after the traumatic event, we do not diagnose clients with uh, PTSD. We diagnose them with acute stress disorder Mm. because it's just typical that there will be a reaction to a traumatic event. So uh, for a lot of people, the symptoms will sort of naturally decrease especially over the first three months. However, if at least one month has passed after the traumatic experience and you're still experiencing, you know, trauma symptoms that are truly intervening with your life, with your relationships, with your work, uh, that might be a good time to at least, you know, research what trauma treatments are out there. Uh, So American Psychological Association, APA for short, uh, they recommend evidence-based treatments to trauma, and evidence-based means basically that they have been researched and studied and proven to be effective. So one of the evidence-based treatments is Trauma-Focused Cognitive Behavioral Therapy TFCBT, uh, And this is a therapeutic intervention designed to help children, adolescents, and their parents overcome the impact of trauma. And you know we use it with our clients here at Live Violence Free all the time. It's designed to help with traumas related to sexual abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, but also community violence and unexpected death of a loved one, natural disaster, and war. And it's really uh, used worldwide that treatment. And the focus is just essentially to assist child or adolescent to develop coping strategies for traumatic stress reaction process mm-hmm. the uh, traumatic experience reduced symptoms of depression anxiety acting out uh, irritability uh, which are very common in children exposed to trauma moving on to adults uh, cognitive processing therapy is a, a popular uh, evidence-based treatment and uh, in, during that treatment you know therapist helps clients to get kind of modifying some unhelpful beliefs related to trauma that clients may just get stuck on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we just give our clients tools and strategies that they can use outside of the treatment to improve their overall functioning. We may focus on, uh, topics of safety, trust, power, control, self-esteem, intimacy, because those are the areas that are, uh, affected by traumatic experiences. Another one is prolonged exposure therapy uh, and it's just another type of cognitive behavioral treatment where we teach our clients to gradually approach trauma related memories, uh, situations and feelings. This is done uh, by both imaginal and in vivo, meaning real life exposure. And by facing those situations, clients decrease their PTSD symptoms and learn that the trauma related memories and triggers are not dangerous and they don't need to be avoided. Uh, eye movement, desensitization, and processing is another one. EMDR, I'm sure a lot of you guys heard about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not an expert on EMDR. However, in a nutshell, uh, EMDR, during EMDR sessions, you know, therapists ask the client to focus for brief periods of time on the trauma memory, while at the same time experiencing bilateral stimulation, typically eye movements. Um, which helps clients with sort of vividness of the memories and intensity of emotions associated with these memories. And then, you know, uh, all of those treatments can also might be supported by medications. And that's something that, you know, therapists don't do, but refer our clients to a psychiatrist or their primary care provider for that if needed. Yeah, thank you for all of
0: that. I know for me personally, I've heard about a few of those treatments uh, for trauma, especially EMDR. I think that was something like I had heard that acronym plenty of times, but really actually hearing what that looks like and what that entails is really cool. I know I just learned something. I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there just learned a great deal as well. So thank you so much um, with your expertise for just going through those and just kind of explaining some of the options out there. And outside of therapy, we know that there are a lot of interesting ways to help cope with trauma triggers as well. And you shared a few with us just getting prepared for this episode. So can you please explain to the listeners out there how to incorporate both the safety statements as well as the quote, tip the temperature technique?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm gonna start with tip the temperature because that's my favorite one. And uh, it is a DBT, a dialectical behavioral strategy that we actually teach our clients in our Dialectical Behavioral Therapy Skills Group here with Stephanie who facilitates that group with me. And it's basically a strategy to decrease the stress. Uh, It works pretty fast within seconds to minutes and it works by changing body chemistry. Uh, It can be used with trauma triggers but also with any intense emotions so we can use it for anger we can use it for feelings of overwhelm and stress and um, basically what we ask clients to do is to there's different versions of it but one version is to just like basically dunk your head (laughs) in a bowl or a sink full of water and hold your breath another version of it that might be just more uh, kind of casual and easier to do is just to have like a, a cold pack or like a Ziploc bag full of ice cubes. Mm. And we just want to put it like on on your face, kind of like cheek eyes area and hold your breath. And what happens uh, when we do that, this it, it induces the so-called dive response, which is an actual response of human body when we dive underwater. And uh, that sets off a parasympathetic nervous system. And parasympathetic nervous system is um, responsible for emotional regulation in our body. So when that sets off, it reduces our uh, physiological and emotional distress. So it works really quickly. And if somebody is experiencing an intense trigger or flashback, it's a really kind of quick way to just reduce the distress level. Yeah. Uh, It's not going to last forever. It just might last for, you know, few minutes until we're ready to use another skill. But it kind of helps us in that immediate situation. And that's really
0: cool too. Anyone out there listening, like that doesn't have to be for someone that's experiencing trauma or triggers. You know, you even mentioned if you're angry or if you get stressed. So I think that's just like a really cool kind of little tip to know about and how to just give us that little moment of calm or just help us kind of re-regulate, right?
1: Yes, I, I really love this skill. And I think that a lot of the feedback that I get is that a lot of clients find it very helpful. And again, it can be combined with other strategies, so it's not like one and done. Actually, all the things I'm going to talk about today, uh, we kind of sort of want to mix and match them and kind of figure out what works for us. Right. I don't know what works for everybody out there, but that's why we just kind of want to offer options and see, you know, what works and what what who likes and what they're capable of doing, right? Because they're sometimes just. Uh, you know, not everybody can just go and like dip in the lake, but they <laughs> might be able to put an ice pack on their face, you know, and work. Um, So that's the tip the temperature. And then the safety statement you asked, it, it's another grounding strategy. And so basically, when we're experiencing a trigger or flashback, which is a feeling that the stressful traumatic situation is happening all over again, right? We're in it. We just feel like sort of hijacked by that memory. We're in the memory, reliving it over again. So a safety statement is just sort of a nice way to snap ourselves out of it and bring ourselves to reality, back to here and now, just by saying the safety statement. So for example, for me, it would sound something like this. Uh, My name is Marta. I am safe right now. I am in the present, not in the past. I'm located in my office at Love Violence Free, and the date is September 6, 2022. And it's just a nice way of just grounding and bringing clients to here and now, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of checking in with reality, as opposed to where our mind is taking it while we're relieving the trauma. Right.
2: I love that. Both really simple things. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're like totally doable um, and something that you can do pretty much anywhere. Right. So I totally love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Marta. Um, that definitely sounds like some great tips that could be practiced. With that being said, I think it would be great for the listeners to also hear about some grounding techniques that they can utilize when needed to provide some more context. Grounding is a set of simple strategies to detach or deal with emotional pain by focusing outward on the external world instead of focusing inward towards the self. A way to simplify that further is thinking of them as healthy distractions or creating a safe place. So Marta, can you discuss the three major grounding types and some examples of each type?
1: Yes, of course. And, uh, heads up I will provide a lot of information and a lot of tools right now <laughs> uh, so don't feel overwhelmed by it and also again I encourage everyone who listens and wants to try them just focus on what works for you mm-hmm. This is not sort of a cutout strategies for for everyone different strategies make may work for different people So feel free to, like I said, just use them all or use some, maybe try something new. Maybe you'll find out that something that you've been already using and didn't know is a grounding strategy is actually a grounding strategy. Uh, So um, there's three major types of grounding. Uh, Mental, which uh, basically, you know, means that we're focusing our mind on something else outside of the memory of trauma uh physical and meaning focusing on our senses on our body and then suiting just it could be you know talking to ourselves in a kind way or doing things that bring a sense of calm and pleasure and like i said you may find that one type works for you better all times may be helpful um who knows so um I'm gonna start some uh, with some mental grounding, and one of the strategies that um, I like it's the five, four, three, two, one technique. And you know, I like you, JC said, just basically grounding te- techniques to help us control symptoms by turning our attention away from thoughts and from memories and feelings, right? And kind of focusing on the present moment. So the 5432 technique is really easy. Again, we just we can use pretty much most of them like in like casually throughout our day. And what we want to do is just to purposefully take in details of our surroundings using each one of our senses. So for example, we want to just stop and think about five things that you can see and just name them. My laptop, my phone, chair, whatnot. Five things, right? What are four things you can feel and we can focus on like clothing on our body, you know, the sun on our skin, the way my body, you know, or the chair feels on my body and my body feeling on the chair, right? Mm-hmm. Another one uh, is three things we hear and we want to pay special attention to the sound, especially the ones that we like tune out. Right. So like really focusing attention, uh, two goes for two things that we can smell. And one is one thing that you can taste. And if you're not tasting anything at the moment, it could, you can pop something in your mouth, like a piece (laughs) of gum, uh, or a snack. Right. Uh, so this is again, like easy one that's, uh, I find like it's effective and, uh, can be done really anywhere. I mean, do it in situations where you can actually, you know, focus on outside surrounding and it's safe, you know, maybe don't do it while you're driving the car or, you know, doing things that, you know, you should be focused on. Another good idea is playing categories with yourself. So, for example, thinking about, you know, five breeds of dogs or five different brands of cars or types of flowers or states that begin with letter a right so just kind of really focus your mind on something else than what's playing in your memory right now a helpful one is describing everyday activity in great detail so for example you know you can actually speak to yourself out loud you can just say it in your mind but describe preparing a meal like what do you do Mm, you know, like first I wash my hands, then I, I don't know, wash the lettuce, then I cut tomatoes, right? Uh, then I peel the cucumbers. So just kind of going through the steps of whatever activity you choose. Another good one is reading something by saying each word to yourself or doing something that's like mentally challenging so for example maybe reading letters backwards Mm. or counting down from hundred by sevens or doing like some crossword puzzles or anything that would like you know uh utilize a little bit of our brain more and sort of shift the focus Love it. yeah so that's the mental grounding the physical ones you know there's few good ones too so Uh, we may choose to touch various objects around us. So for example, a glass or the table or my clothing and kind of notice different colors, textures, materials, just kind of explain, like describe them to myself. Anything that we can do physically with our body, like jumping up and down, running in place, stretching, might be helpful, noticing your body, just like the weight of your body in your chair, wiggling your toes, right? Anything that just kind of gets us back in our body and out of that memory. Like actually, you know, like grounding ourselves could be like digging in our heels, you know, into the floor or tightly like holding onto a chair. Those are good ones too. One of my favorite ones too is eating something and describing the taste in detail. Mm to yourself especially if something this has like an intense taste you know so something that's like very spicy or very sour like some sort of sour candy like lemon heads or whatnot which I feel has like this almost jarring kind of reaction on us where we just like oh look at this I have this in my mouth now let me focus on that so just help us to like snap us out of whatever we're experiencing And then there's soothing grounding, which is basically, you know, any kind of validating or encouraging statements that we can just kind of take care of ourselves. Like, you know, you'll get through this Mm -hmm. or, you know, I can handle this. This will pass. You know, you're a good person. Um, So anything that would be just like really kind and soothing to ourselves Thinking of favorite things, I don't know, like I might not always have, you know, opportunity to like squeeze my dog, (laughs) but even like thinking about her makes me feel better, (laughs) right? (laughs) So like, you know, thinking of like favorite, you know, animals or food or season, you know, holiday, anything that just makes us feel good. Uh, Obviously, you know, surrounding ourselves with like pictures of people, animals we care about or just actually, you know, seeking their company in person, that would be great. And I like the safe place where we can just sort of visualize, uh, you know, sort of like a calming, relaxing place in our mind's eye, and really kind of go there on like a mental vacation. So, you know, it m- might be an outside place, maybe indoor place, like your favorite room, could be real place, could be imaginary place. And we want to kind of like dive deep into it. So like focus on everything about the place. Again, what are the sounds? What are the colors? What are the smells? Mm -hmm. And really kind of just take ourselves out of whatever's going on and put ourselves in like the safe place that might be just soothing. Uh, Yeah, so those are the main ones. I know it was a lot. (laughs) You know what? It's a lot,
0: but I love it because I think for me, again, I'm learning a lot throughout this whole episode. And I know that I could always use some more kind of tools in my toolkit, right, for dealing with difficult moments or triggers. And so I'm sure the listeners out there, they may have just learned something that could be, you know, greatly effective and helpful to them. The other thing I really love about those is how accessible they are. Like all those things you just shared They're pretty easy to do, right? Like the only thing that I heard that really required another element of it was the tip the temperature, which you need, you know, an ice pack or some water. But I mean, that's not the most difficult thing for us to get our hands on, right? But I mean, outside of that, everything else is so simple. It's something you can do just by yourself. It doesn't require you purchasing anything or even spending a whole lot of time. So I really appreciate you sharing those out. Um, And I know there's a lot more, but I'm just hoping that, yeah, listeners, if, you know, go back and listen to that again, you know, write some things down. I definitely took some mental notes here as well. But yeah, I think those are awesome, awesome examples to share out. And so kind of moving into another element of this. There's been so many times in this podcast where we have touched on how important it is to seek support, right, in times of difficulty or if you're dealing with trauma, but especially with your expertise, Can you just elaborate a little bit on why seeking support for trauma can be so beneficial for someone? Maybe they're, you know, not at the point where they feel ready or just maybe don't feel like it's really necessary for them. So, yeah, I would just love to get your insight on why that could be really beneficial.
1: Yeah. So actually, you know, right after trauma, uh, we may not be quite ready to, you know, talk to anyone, go to therapy, Mm -hmm. uh, join a group. However, the research shows that those of us who seek support right after the trauma occurs, when we kind of share our story, talk about what happens, you know, uh, spend time sort of processing it, those of us have higher rates of natural recovery from trauma symptoms Mm. uh, than people who avoid the subject altogether. Interesting. Which, you know, by the way avoid is completely normal, however Mm -hmm. ineffective and one of the main symptoms associated with PTSD. And then on the other hand, those who receive support from others, professionals or not, and discuss trauma with trusted people, they have higher levels of recovery from trauma. Uh, Therefore, as a therapist, I encourage clients seeking support uh, in therapy and also, if possible, outside of treatment. And it can be done in a formal way, such as attending a group, or informal, such as, you know, talking to a friend, to a relative, Mm -hmm. um, however, we always want to make sure that, you know, if we choose to do the latter and talk kind of to the relatives or friends, that they're like truly support people, right? Right. They're not blaming, they're validating, they're kind and empathetic and just sort of get us, right? Uh, that's really important. And of course, you know, therapeutic group is also a great option. You know, group therapy provides a way of just connecting people, receiving social support from other people, you know, finding, you know, other people that may have experienced similar things that happened to us. We may have an opportunity to develop relationships, you know, with those people. We received validation, right? Being in a group with a number of people struggling with the same problems, you can see that you're not alone Mm -hmm. that you know everyone struggles right another benefit of the group therapy is being able to learn from other people's experiences right Uh, you know they might teach us tools strategies share experiences right that help them and uh, we can choose to utilize in our own life Mm -hmm. to you know cope to use in our relationships Right. So that's, uh, I would say that's really invaluable as we learn from other people. They also learn from us and yeah. kind of being uh, able to help others and be there for other people increases on our self-esteem and kind of sense of self-efficacy and capability. And, uh, you know, beliefs in our own abilities also help us coping with trauma symptoms. Right. So it's just Goes like a full circle, and uh, I highly, highly recommend support.
2: I absolutely love that, Marta. Yeah, so with that, like, and I think you just highlighting how. It helps others not feel alone and feel supported is huge right especially with those that we serve mm-hmm. and anyone who has experienced trauma um, or is just going through a really difficult time because many times we hear them say that they're feeling alone or they're isolating um, themselves or they've been isolated and so I think it's so important to know that there's ways that you can heal instead of just dealing and there is support and I think those groups are amazing I always hear great feedback um, from some of the individuals that attend it and i firsthand have also experienced it and it does make you feel like you're not alone and it makes you feel so validated at times seeing others experience something that's similar um, or just even sharing how difficult it can be you know so i love that you share that marta
1: yes and just you know on that note live violence free does have a third a trauma uh, support group <laughs> for our clients uh, it's fast facilitated by uh my wonderful coworker Stephanie. It's a Wednesday, I believe, 10 in the morning. So, if any listeners are interested in it, it's done by Zoom. They can call the agency and receive a, a Zoom link uh, to that meeting and uh, definitely try it out. Thank you so
0: much for sharing that. Absolutely. And that's something we're definitely going to have linked below in the resources as well. Just, you know, the time of that, how to get in contact with us. I think that's that's really great. And another thing that I just really appreciated about, you know, you discussing the, the kind of the benefits and the twofold nature, right, of going to a support group and, and not only learning other coping skills or feeling that self-esteem boost, that validation, that feeling that you're not alone, that I know a lot of. You know especially victims and survivors may may have that feeling but i think it's it's really cool to think about you know you may give someone else so many wonderful things right so many coping skills or empowerment that they need and you just showing up and i think that's that's really awesome um just to think about that right so yeah to any listeners out there definitely check out the resources below if you want to know more about groups like that or the group that is done at live violence free But with all of that being said, I think it's a great time to do our meditation. We do this every episode, but we're gonna do something kind of special and different here. Uh, Marta actually went ahead and shared one of her grounding techniques. This is a breathing technique that we're going to put into practice. So we're not gonna spend very long on this today. You know, if you're going through it and if you would like to spend more time practicing this, you could always pause the episode and continue to do this breathing exercise for as long as you're comfortable with. But I'm going to cap it at around a minute just so we can kind of get the feel of it. And so if my lovely co host and the listeners out there are available to take on this meditation at this time, I encourage you to just get into a comfortable space and a comfortable position. I want you to just start taking deep, relaxing breaths right now, as you're getting situated, start to feel some of that stress and anxiety, or maybe some tension, start to kind of just melt away with your exhales. And once you're in a comfortable and relaxed state, I will go ahead and give the instructions for this breathing exercise. So this is a paced breathing technique. What we're going to do when you're ready is inhale for a count of four seconds and exhale for a count of six. I will count you down and guide you through this.
3: So let's go ahead and begin. Inhale for one, two, three, four, Exhale. two, three, four, five, six. Inhale. two, three, four. Exhale. two, three, four, five, six. Inhale. two, three, four. Exhale. Two. Three. Four, five, six. Inhale, Two, three, four. Exhale, Two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, Two, three, four. Exhale, Two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. At this point, you can feel free to pause the recording. You can continue with this breathing exercise for as long as you'd like to. If you're ready to come back from this meditation, Start to simply wiggle your fingers and toes. Go back to your normal breathing. Start to wake your
0: body up slowly. Move around, wiggle in your seat. Do a little stretch if you need to. So yeah, again, that was a just quick little meditation. I thought, you know, just kind of introducing that and taking a round of that breathing might be great just to get the listeners kind of acclimated to that. Feel free to use that. I think that's something that is another wonderful technique. You know, we we do a guided meditation every episode of this podcast because we do believe so strongly in the power of our breath and how being focused on our breath can help calm us, can help center us. And so, yeah, I really appreciate Marta for sharing that so we could share that out with you. And so we just appreciate you so much for joining us today. This was really, really awesome. Um, you just have a lot of wisdom on all these topics. Obviously, like this is your expertise. This is your passion. You've been doing this for so many years. And before we wrap up and end this conversation today, we, you know, we're just getting as much insight out of you as we can because we deeply love this time with you. Uh, but can you share out why is it so important to have self-compassion and have that self-acceptance while we're dealing with trauma triggers?
1: Yeah, so I think that, you know, um, for those who struggle with trauma triggers and PTSD, I mean, we've already talked about just sort of a sense of alienation, Mm -hmm. right, of just being the only one who struggles with it. Uh, We may have a lot of, the. judgmental and self-deprecating thoughts about what's going on for us right so feeling that there's something wrong with me that we're not as strong and capable as everyone else you know as sometimes i feel like we're just lost our mind you know um so you know self-compassion is a concept that's researched and written about uh by dr kristen neff um, and i refer all of you to her books they're amazing and really easy uh kind of really nice reads that you know provide a lot of insight and wisdom so self-compassion basically means you know being kind of kinder and more supportive toward ourselves right and less uh judgy I mean we're very uh i think that most people they are you know very willing to be very kind and supportive of our friends and family and other people around us but it's just so much harder to kind of give it the same treatment to ourselves right so and you know also self-compassion is sort of this idea that we all share this human experience right we're all humans we're all imperfect Or Lives are imperfect, um, and it just doesn't feel so isolated. We're just all kind of messy, yeah. Uh, so it might feel like we're just belong with everybody else who's also messy. So uh, <laughs> uh, it just kind of you know uh, involves sort of opening our hearts and opening ourselves to just being like our own friends in need. Yeah, uh, you know, just like reducing the judgment and also you know, soothing ourselves and comforting ourselves. And, um, also, which is the most important opening ourselves to receiving that care care Mm. in the midst of, uh, emotional turmoil, right? Feeling like we actually deserve it. So, you know, I always say to my trauma clients, that's what's happening to them. It's a perfectly normal reaction to extremely abnormal situation. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with them for having those symptoms. There's nothing wrong with them for struggling at that time in their life. And that, you know, we will work together uh, as a team on decreasing those symptoms, uh, improving their mental health, improving their relationships, hopefully, you know, elevating the quality of their life. But in those challenging circumstances, they deserve their own care their own kindness, and their own compassion, just like anybody else.
0: Yeah, I love that. That was just beautifully said. Um, And I think, you know, I'm someone, if the listeners could see me during that whole piece you just gave there, I was just shaking my head so hard at talking about like self judgment and how we're so much kinder to other people than we are to ourselves. Like, I'm definitely guilty of that something I'm working on. Um, But yeah, I just love that as kind of that reminder and also this end cap to this conversation that I've definitely appreciated so much. And I've learned a lot here today on this episode, just from different techniques, different things just to keep in mind when it comes to trauma, you know, gentle reminder to all our listeners out there, just, yeah, approach yourself with more kindness, more self support, right, especially if you've been through something. And I think that's another beautiful reminder, like we've all been through things, you know, it might be different. The levels of trauma or just the levels of our experiences may look very different, but we've all been through things. And I love that you were like, we're all kind of messy because it's true, you know, like we never know. What someone else has been through and we all have things going on in our lives so i think yeah that kindness piece that's huge we all really deserve that and so i would really love to just thank you again marta for being here i i would hope you will come on in the future you have i know a lot more wonderful insight to share with us so you know we'll be reaching out to you hopefully we can get you to come back and share some more and thank you to my co-host jc for being here we just hope that this insight um really just helps some of the listeners out there so check out the resources below. We'll have a lot of different grounding techniques, um, some books Marta recommends, and just other wonderful pieces of knowledge, including our own trauma support group at Live Violence Free. So thank you so much for listening in, and we hope you will join us for our next conversation.